Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Greg Gianforte, the governor of Montana, is going to join me at the bottom of the hour. Now, I I, I, I want to make a, a point. Some of you won't like the point. I spent the entire first hour telling you this really isn't about Trump. It's more complicated than that. I do want to add something, though. When you look at 2018, 2020, 2022, 2023, even go back to 2019, um, and then 2023, looking at 2024, there is a common denominator there. It is Trump. And I do think you, you're going to see on the debate stage tonight in Miami, uh, Christy DeSantis and Haley pointing out, and maybe Tim Scott as well, that, I mean, the the underlying current in all those was Trump, and, and in suburban parts of the country, we continue to lose. And the Trump team, and if you're listening to your Trump supporter, you fundamentally don't believe that, and you think there's other factors, and there are, but there is in... Swing states in swing areas, there is a Trump factor. So here's the thing. As I said in the first hour, Jeff Landry in Louisiana would not have won but for being Trump's guy. In Mississippi, Tate Reeves would have lost except people loyal to Trump turned out and voted for him even though they don't like him. But in suburban Lexington and Louisville, Daniel Cameron lost some votes by being tied to Trump. And in Virginia, in the Northern Virginia suburbs that were already leaning Democrat, but in Richmond and in uh, Norfolk and, and Portsmouth and that area down in Hampton Roads, being tied to Donald Trump, being branded a MAGA candidate, hurt in those swing areas. So how does that then translate into the swing states? Well, in, in the Tucson, Phoenix area, in the suburbs there, in the Scottsdale area and the like, um, you're, you're going to have Republican voters who just can't bring themselves to vote for Trump. In the Georgia suburban areas, the Sandy Springs, the Roswells, the Alpharettas, the Miltons, those are Republican areas. You're going to have suburban women in particular not vote for Trump. And so you got to maximize your vote elsewhere. And if you're opposed to early voting and trying to generate the vote and all of that, it, it becomes a bigger struggle. It's not that you can't win. It's that the amount of energy spent to win becomes very, very high. And that could then cost you other races, Senate races, House races. Those are things you have to think about, but no one wants to think about it because everyone's very emotional and defensive and stand by your man. If you hate Donald Trump, you are you can't conceive that maybe Trump doesn't cost you everything. And if you are a Trump supporter, you can't conceive that maybe Trump loses you suburbs you have to win to win the presidency. The bigger problem for the GOP is this. A portion of the party will not vote for Donald Trump under any circumstance, and a portion of the party will only vote for Donald Trump. And when you have that situation, you have a party that can't win a national election. So unless you can find a third party that is agreeable to everyone, you lose to a deeply unpopular president. Unless Trump can convince those Republicans and independent voters that you really do need to vote for him to solve the problems of the country or at least stop Joe Biden. And then how do you not radicalized suburban women. This is a very tough thing for the GOP when half the party hates the other half the party. 
when half the party is solidly for Trump and a quarter of the party is solidly against Trump, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So unless you can find someone who can bridge that gap, it becomes hard for the party. In Congress yesterday, someone bridged that gap. Rich McCormick is the congressman from the 6th Congressional District in Georgia. He's a personal friend. Hey, he's been on the program. Every once in a while we hang out, we get dinner. I don't like to bother him these days because he's a member of Congress. And he always says, oh, you could bother me, you could bother me. He's like, hey, you, you got a wife, you got kids, you got constituents. Um, I'll, I'll bother you when you're home, but I don't like to bother him. But that guy successfully built a bipartisan coalition to censor Rashida Tlaib. Democrats, 22 Democrats, joined all but four Republicans. And uh, most of those Republicans actually just didn't vote. They weren't there. I think Ken Buck was the only Republican to vote against it. But they built a bipartisan coalition. And that bipartisan coalition censored Rashida Tlaib. Rich McCormick did this, not Marjorie Taylor Greene. And you need to understand this, and I I don't mean to drag Marjorie Taylor Greene here. That really isn't my point. But Marjorie Taylor Greene could have gotten her resolution passed, except she made a big deal about Rashida Tlaib inciting an insurrection, which didn't sit well with some of the Republicans and didn't sit well with any of the Democrats. And the Republicans wanted to get a censor resolution that built a coalition that they could bring over some of the Jewish Democrats, for example. And she wouldn't work with Rich McCormick. It was very much a, a it's it's my football or no football case, very much like with you see this with the base of the Republican Party right now, where it is um, I'm either going to vote for Trump or I'm not going to vote versus I'm not going to vote for Trump at all uh, if he's the nominee. If Marjorie Taylor Greene was in the wing of I will not rewrite my resolution to build a bigger coalition, nor will I help you, Rich McCormick, do it. So Rich McCormick did his own thing. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, her resolution went down in flames. Republicans opposed it. Democrats opposed it. And she was not able to get the censorship of Rashida Tlaib by the House that she wanted because she would not play well with others. She would not compromise. Rich McCormick built a bipartisan coalition to censor Rashida Tlaib. Rich McCormick did this, not Marjorie Taylor Greene. Rich McCormick brought 22 Democrats across the aisle and even got Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader in the House, to openly on television criticize Rashida Tlaib and say he wasn't going to vote for a censor resolution against one of his members, but yes, he had profound concerns about her statements. So he got an admission from Hakeem Jeffries, the ranking Democrat in the House, that Rashida Tlaib did something she shouldn't have done and was bad, and he had concerns about it. That's a win. How did McCormick build this bipartisan coalition? By being reasonable. By being willing to listen by being willing to make amendments to his resolution 
to draw in a larger group of people. This is only the 25th or 26th time in the history of the country that a member of the House has been censored. Censured by the House, not censored. Censured. It's only the 25th or 26th time, the entire history of our republic, that this has happened. And it was on a bipartisan basis. And I just, what's so interesting is that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Rich McCormick, their districts are close to each other. He represents the north, northeast part of the metro Atlanta area. She represents the north, northwest part of the Atlanta area. Barry Loudermilk's district runs between theirs. Hers goes up to Rome. His goes up to uh, northeast Georgia. The, the northern metro Atlanta, Georgia, Forsyth County, highly Republican area. And she, Marjorie Taylor Greene, was unwilling to even attempt to build a bipartisan coalition of condemnation, which is more powerful and gets taken more seriously. She wanted to own the left. She wanted to stick it to the left. She wanted to put in references to insurrection and things like that. McCormick actually wanted to censure Rashida Tlaib for her outlandish statements, praising the statement River to Sea, lying about what it means, uh, insisting that Israel blew up the Gaza hospital. By the way, did you know Hamas has now three times hit an Israeli hospital in Ascalon? Have you heard the media cover that story? Of course not. So McCormick was willing to build a bipartisan coalition, and in that— was able to win. McCormick was able to build a bipartisan coalition by listening to the Democrats' concerns who supported censorship but were bridged too far to go with the insurrection language that Marjorie Taylor Greene had. And so the the question I think Republicans need to ask themselves from looking at this is, do you want to win or do you want to own the left? Marjorie Taylor Greene wanted to own the left. She wanted to outrage the left. She wanted to troll the left. Rich McCormick wanted to win. He wanted to actually accomplish a censorship of Rashida Tlaib, and he was able to get it done. Marjorie Taylor Greene was not. There's a lesson here for the GOP in winning in 2024. Do you just want to troll the left or do you actually want to put points on the board? If you want to put points on the board, you sometimes can't go as far as you want. But you wind up getting ultimately what you want, which was a a censure resolution out of the House representatives. It's your call. Now, I I, I want to respond to an email real quick because I, I just got an email from a listener, Will. I hope you're smarter than how you've come across on today's show. There was one overriding issue in last night's results, abortion, of course. You would have a lot more respect if you would be honest with your audience and admit that being stridently anti-choice is a losing issue across the board for conservatives. Last night wasn't Trump. It was abortion. Be honest with your audience. I, I mentioned abortion. I guess Will didn't hear it. The problem here is that Will, of course, is wrong. Abortion did play a role. Abortion played a role in Virginia, but it didn't play a role in Kentucky. Abortion obviously was a big issue in Ohio, and suburban voters, Republican voters, uh, they supported abortion, except in Ohio, they voted for a pro-choice, pro-abortion amendment to the Constitution and still voted for Republican candidates. In Virginia, the Republicans 
were within a percentage point of winning the state house and the state senate. The problem here is, Will, like a lot of other people, some people want it to be all about Trump. Some people want it to be all about abortion. It's actually multifaceted. Abortion doesn't explain what happened in Mississippi where Tate Reeves won, but it was way closer than it should have been. Abortion doesn't explain why Republicans in Kentucky won statewide except Daniel Cameron. Abortion doesn't really explain why the House and the Senate in Virginia barely flipped with the Republicans coming within a percentage point. Abortion doesn't actually explain why Republicans were able to take the Suffolk County uh, Long Island uh, executiveship and now have a majority in Suffolk County. Abortion doesn't explain why Republicans won so many local-level school board races around the country last night. That's actually where the Republicans shined at the local level. You can't make it that simple and say it's all abortion or it's all Trump. They're actually multifaceted reasons. Is abortion an issue? Yes, abortion's an issue, and the GOP has uh, has to deal with that. As I mentioned, Will, if you're listening, in the first hour. Is it a Trump issue? In some places, yes, it is. In some places, when you're battling abortion and you're battling this guy's two MAGA, it's hard for the Republicans to overcome that. Republicans have to only play defense on one of those issues, not the other. In some parts of the country, though, the pro-lifers actually matter. Let me put it to you this way, Will, in a way that you might understand it, but probably won't given the, the way you wrote your email. Republicans get more votes from pro-life evangelical Christians than Democrats do from all non-white demographic groups combined. Republicans get more pro-life votes than Democrats get votes from black, Hispanic, and Asian voters combined. So if you think Republicans need to abandon the life position and thereby abandon the largest portion of their voters, what are you going to replace it with? I bet you will don't have an answer for that. Guys, if you're a small, mid-sized business, you're struggling with HR issues, you have employees not showing up, or you got to do a termination, you need onboarding of employees, maybe there's a sexual harassment complaint, you want an HR manager. You don't want to be the bad guy with your employees. Bambi can play the role of HR for you. $99 a month, available by phone, email, real-time chat. They do onboardings, terminations, they help your team members get to peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations regardless of which state. They're great. Now, they're U.S.-based. They, you got somebody to talk to who's dedicated to your team. They give you access to HR expertise, and they add personal touches. So even though they're outsourced by your company, they really feel like they're a part of your team. That matters. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast. When you sign up, it'll help my show. Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com, Eric Erickson in the podcast tab. Why, hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. You you know what I find very interesting? Uh, So after October 7th and Hamas's attack on Israel, suddenly the Democrats realized how many of their um, Democratic voices who had been uh, in support of Israel were actually anti-Semites and were saying they supported Israel but didn't actually believe it. They're totally pro-Hamas, killed the Jews, let's commit genocide. Uh, what you're going to see on the Republican side after last night is like the, the, the emailer will say, oh, we got to ditch the pro-life position. Sorry, uh, pro-lifers, you cost us everything. It's not Trump, it's you. We, we got we to throw you out of the coalition in order to win. Let, let's all support abortion now. Not going to work. Not going to work. Uh, by the way, you will note, by the way, that uh, Republicans didn't get wiped out to sea in Georgia where they passed a fetal heartbeat ban. In fact, the the sponsor of the fetal heartbeat ban 
won a Democratic district. It's possible to win. And Republicans got badly outspent. Uh, J.D. Vance has a great analysis um, in Ohio, and one of the things he points out is that there was like a 10-to-1 spending advantage for the pro-abortion side in Virginia. The, the, the pro-life donors have just stopped giving money. They think they won. They're resting on their laurels now, and they're being set back. But there's something else here as well, and, and this goes to my point. This is actually from Sean Trendy, who's a uh, good political analyst, not me. The Republicans generate more votes from evangelical pro-lifers than Democrats generate from all of their black, Hispanic, and Asian voters combined. So if the GOP abandons the pro-life plank, they will not win an election because a lot of those evangelical pro-lifers will walk away. It it really is that simple. Uh, they will walk away if the GOP abandons them. So you got to find a way to nuance this. And and my, my submission to this is the GOP can't actually win. And in fact, consider Virginia. Yes, it was a loss in Virginia, but it was barely a loss, less than 1% of the statewide vote. It was a lot of it had to do with redistricting. The Democrats, you would have thought, had a landslide the way it's being covered, but they barely won. And the issue there is that Glenn Youngkin ran on the 15-week um abortion issue. And the Democrats, they were largely neutralized on it. Yeah, they won, but it was redistricting. They picked up two seats. Republicans picked up a seat in the state Senate. They just didn't pick up enough to win, even after redistricting. They came within a percentage point of winning statewide, the legislature. So it's not like it was a big, big issue for them. You, you, You can't abandon that issue. And, you know, Patriot Mobile is not abandoning that issue. Patriot Mobile funds the pro-life cause. They fund the Second Amendment cause. They fund conservative candidates running for school boards around the country, and they've done a great job of it. They take a portion of their profits that you help them generate, and then they fund the conservative movement. How do they do that? Well, all you have to do is move your cell phone service to Patriot Mobile. You move your cell service to Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile grows their profits. Patriot Mobile then grows their profits. And in growing their profits, Patriot Mobile funds the conservative causes you care about. You can take your existing phone number to Patriot Mobile, and they use the same cell towers you're probably already using. It's a great service run by great people who share your values, who fight for the causes you care about, and they give you great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher. So many good discounts. You've got a lot of lines because you've got a lot of kids. They can save you some money. You can call them at 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation at 972-PATRIOT. Or just go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You can do it all online. You can even see their detailed coverage map straight down to your house. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Welcome back across America. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. So we are on uh, KJJR, uh, 107.9 FM, uh, 880 AM in Kalispell, Montana. It's one of our affiliates. And uh, my producer is from, uh, what, Roundup, Montana. And I actually conducted his wedding uh, in Montana. And so we got ties to Montana on this program, not only an affiliate, but um, my my erstwhile producer when he shows up and he's not out in the woods killing things, which I think I see a note on Friday. He's going to be out in the woods killing things again. It's something about the people of Montana, I guess, uh, to explain these people of Montana. <laughs> I've actually got and I've never talked to you before. The governor of Montana joining me, Governor Greg Gianforte. Thank you very much for joining me. 
Eric, it's my pleasure to be with you. I, I got to tell you, so having never been up there until uh, I, I did the wedding for my producer up there, and I guess we were in Billings, uh, and his family is from there. It's a beautiful state. Uh, it is awesome. I mean, it just, uh, my wife and I raised our four kids here. We built our business here. But the best thing about Montana, beyond the landscapes and the mountains and the clear rivers and the trout fishing and the hunting and the whitewater rafting is the people. People here are judged based on their character, not what they own. And a handshake matters. And we just get stuff done. It, well, I I thoroughly, really did enjoy uh, the, the few times I've been up there. I've spoken in, in Bozeman, and I've, I've been to Billings. And i got to get up to Kalispell at some point and see our affiliate there. Uh, my, my producer went to college in Missoula. I've been there. Now, I, I, I want to ask you, speaking of all these places, I, and, and I won't I won't touch on the, the, the hippies in Missoula who I encountered. Um, let's, let's talk about you for a minute because – Montana is seen as this ruby red state, except you got John Tester as the Democratic senator, and you haven't had a Republican governor since 2005 until you got there. Yeah, I was the first Republican governor in 16 years. Uh, it was a little bit of a dry patch there. And it was, a Eric, to be honest, it was a little like cleanup on aisle four. Uh, we had to peel red tape regulations back. We had to reform our tax code. Uh, we had to get the economy going again. And I'll tell you, in the 50 years prior to me coming into office, we only had three months where unemployment was below 3%. Since I've been in office over the last three years, we've had 23 consecutive months with unemployment under 3%. Wow. Uh, we have more people working here than ever before. We have the fifth best uh, tax code for business in the country. We have more entrepreneurs starting businesses here. We've got our economy fired up. And uh, it's because we've we've created a, a sanctuary for freedom and free enterprise, and the people of Montana are prospering as a result. Now, how do the Biden regulations on the oil and gas industry impact that? Because I, I know there's a huge oil and gas industry out there. My dad worked for Conoco Oil for a number of years overseas, and I know I've got friends up in Montana who they've got oil leases on their property, and it just seems like every which way the Dakotas and in Montana, the Biden administration is making it more difficult for people to actually drill and, and actually produce the oil and gas from their own land. Yeah, and we have part of the Bakken in eastern Montana – uh, that's mostly in North Dakota, but we have a piece. Essentially, the Biden administration has shut down oil and gas development on federal land. The The work that's progressing is really uh, oil and gas development on uh, private lands and, and state lands. We, we actually moved our oil and gas leases to an online system, bringing it into the current century, uh, and that has expanded that work. But we end up pushing back the, you know, Energy security is national security. And when we export energy to our friends, we are safer than we have to when we have to beg our enemies to get energy into this country. And that's why this these Biden administration rules on energy development are so disastrous for this country. Now, speaking of our enemies, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, who's seeing his citizens flee to places like Montana, went, went to China. And instead of going to China, you went to Taiwan uh, and have, have reestablished good trade ties with Taipei there. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. We, we've had a long-term relationship with Taiwan. They're one of our top trading partners. We send over 
$100 million of Montana products to Taiwan every single year. I was there last week with a trade delegation, uh, and we've had this relationship for 40 years. In fact, when I got into office, the first thing I did was open up a direct trade office with a Montana employee in Taipei to expand these relationships. And as you mentioned, as threats to the United States grow and emerge around the globe, it's really critical that we partner with nations that share our common values of freedom and free enterprise. Taiwan does that. It was a great trip. We expanded trade relationships. I had a chance to meet with uh, President Tsai, uh, Premier Chen, uh, the head of the education ministry. We signed three MOUs for exchange, one in photonics, one in advanced manufacturing, and another one in education. Uh, And it turns out, who knew, uh, the Taiwanese now actually eat more wheat than they do rice. And, of course, we produce a lot of grain in Montana, and that is our number one export to Taiwan. Okay, wait wait, wait, wait a second. Hang on. They they actually, in Taiwan, in an Asian country, they're actually more wheat-consuming than rice-consuming now? Correct. That's impressive. This was an interesting... This was an interesting dialogue we had with President Tsai. Um, She brought up the issue of food security. It turns out she used the word potential blockade. We know where that might come from. Seventy percent of the food in Taiwan is imported. They only produce 30 percent. So and they have an increasing appetite for grains from Montana and other parts of the world, as well as our delicious beef. So we were the, we brought a bunch of ag producers with us. Uh, we're expanding those relationships, uh, and uh, we're proud to be, in her words, Taiwanese national security is intertwined with food security, and they need reliable suppliers to keep their people fed. That's I'm actually I'm really fascinated by that. Uh, having grown up overseas as a kid, and it just the transitioning to wheat is actually remarkable to to hear in Taiwan, which is it one. It's a beautiful country, and and they actually support freedom there. But also now you, you've got this issue in Montana where we've read about in the papers. First, you had the spy balloon fly over y'all, but then you've also got the Chinese who've been looking at buying up properties. Montana's been named in the list of areas that where they want to. Did I read you? You've taken action on that. Yeah, and you, you, you've hit it. I mean, we, we saw the spy balloon come over it, over Montana first. It was spying on our military installations, flew all the way across the country. Uh, then uh, we see they're using TikTok to spy on individual Americans, capturing their personal information. And then they start buying land near military operations in farmland. So uh, we're not going to stand for that. Uh, even if the Biden administration won't stand up for our national interest, we're going to stand up for the people of Montana. We banned TikTok in Montana, first state to do that. Uh, we prohibited land purchases by foreign adversaries, including uh, Taiwan, including China. And then that's the reason why we went to Taiwan last week is to broaden our economic ties there because we're going to stand with people that stand for freedom and free enterprise. Now, I don't want to throw a wild card at you, but I'm going to. And you you may not be aware of this. And if not, I want to make you aware of it. I actually read an article yesterday on on the show and, and played a video. There are a number of uh, ranchers and cowboys from Montana who have packed up 
and gone to Israel and, and helping the Israelis take care of their farms while the soldiers are fighting, some of them taking over farms where the individuals were killed by Hamas. Really just I- I- incredible people. You mentioned at the beginning the kindness of, of the people in Montana, the character of them. Really is impressive to see a group of young men from Montana pack up in the middle of the night and fly to a place they've never been just to take over the farms of the people who can't take care of them right now. Yeah, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East, and we have deep and lasting ties there. What happened to the Jewish people in the Israeli nation uh, was a tra- just tragic, incomprehensible. Uh, and we fully stand with Israel. In fact, I flew the Israeli flag at the Montana State Capitol uh, just to honor them and let them know we're standing with them. That's fantastic. So, Governor, before you get out of here, let, let me ask you about the dynamics uh, and not to get too political with you on, on when you're talking trade in Taiwan and, and Israel, but we do have this Senate race next year in Montana, and Republicans actually, for a state that appears to vote Republican all the time, tends to vote Democrat for a lot of these seats. What do you think Republicans need to do next year to really make the case to Montana voters that it's time to send a Republican to the Senate? Well, you're right. We've been a purple state. You go back to 2012, seven of eight statewide elected offices were Democrat. Today, eight of nine are Republican. The only one left standing is our senator. That's why I am so thrilled that Tim Sheehy uh, is running for that U.S. Senate seat. Uh, Tim, uh, five tours of duty, wounded in action three times, married to a Marine, came here to Montana, started the business, high, created hundreds of high-paying jobs. Uh, what we need to do is get our voters out to the polls. We need to help people understand the caliber of Tim Sheehy, he, John Tester's never had to run against a veteran. And here we have one decorated, wounded in action, business owner. He's going to do a great job representing us in the U.S. Senate. I think he will. Yeah, he's he's a, he impressive. I haven't met him, but I, his his bio is is impressive. Now, real quick, I do need to tell you, Charlie, my Montana uh, from Montana producer says we did have a caller who wants to know if if you actually are the governor because he thought John Dutton was the governor, the Yellowstone character. <laughs> well, you know, all I can say about that show, it it we've had we've been able to reduce our tourism promotion budget a little bit because of that show, and I will tell you. If you've watched the show, at least the scenery is legit. <laughs> yes, at least the scenery. Yeah, look, I, I, I love the state. I, it's so great to finally talk to you in person. Everyone I met from Montana, I, I like. I, I have one on my payroll, so it's good to hear from you. Please do keep in touch. We love to have you. Okay, thank you so much, Eric. Absolutely. Governor Greg Gianforte, the governor of Montana, where they have – He just got back from Taiwan, where you had Gavin Newsom in China instead. He's prohibited TikTok on devices in the state tied into the state government and college campuses. He's pushed China off the lands they were purchasing. By the way, I have discovered the Washington Free Beacon has a a big story today on what a lot of the Chinese land is being used for, some of it for surveillance, some of it for something else, and I will tell you when we get back on the other side of the break, you probably will be surprised. A big story from uh, the Washington Free Beacon on what all the Chinese are using that land for. Before we get there, though, i got to tell you about Americans for Prosperity. They are around the country educating people on why binomics is bad. 
They're doing a bus tour. They're explaining to people how free markets work, how Biden disrupts those free markets, and how Bidenomics can be rolled back at the state level through regulatory reform to fight back against it. Uh, It's a fantastic idea. They've got great concepts. Uh, They want to win. They just don't want to bellyache about Biden. They actually want to put points on the board, and they want you on their side. All you have to do is go to... Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. You go to Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. You sign up. You become one of more than 4 million activists nationwide. You build an army for the fight for freedom. You learn how to go to your school board, your city council, your state legislature, your county commission, and fight for free markets and free people, for school choice, for conservative reforms, for limited government. They teach you how to do it, how to be persuasive, how to have an impact. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Go sign up now. When we come back, you'll never believe what so many of the Chinese are using the land for that they've acquired in the nation. We now have some insight into it, and I'll tell you what it is. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. So you know about all the Chinese land? The Washington Free Beacon has a story today about uh, what that land is being used for. Some of it, like the land that had been in Montana they had, was probably being used for surveillance. But let me paint a picture for you for where a lot of this land is being bought. Maine, Montana, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, California, legal marijuana states. Ah, Yes. Turns out a lot of the Chinese land is illegal pot farms. In Maine, the state police raided pot farms. It turns out they're owned by Chinese nationals, uh, and it's the triad. It's it's the Chinese mafia uh, growing illegal marijuana that they can then sell into the legal trades and, and the undercurrents of America, and they're funding their Essentially, they're funding their Chinese operations through selling drugs in the United States. They buy farmland. They sell weed in states where it's otherwise legal, so the illegal stuff is not pursued. They undercut the market. They make money. They send the profits back to China. This is like a lot of the Asian massage parlors in the U.S. The Clinton administration did a big report on this. Um, and it, the Bush administration actually released it. So if you look for it, it's under John Ashcroft's name, but it was Janet Reno's a report. A lot of southeastern, those Asian massage parlors— are owned by the Chinese and the uh, Japanese mob. And so the money that is made in the brothels in the southeast, in Las Vegas and elsewhere, that then flows to the, the northwest, to Washington State, into the Seattle region, Portland, San Francisco, and then it funnels over into China and Japan where a lot of the girls who are used in the brothels, the uh, so-called massage parlors, are actually against the used against their will they're victims of human trafficking their their families are threatened they are threatened that their families will be killed and they fund this way so that you've got the, the prostitution ring and you got the drug ring in the United States that funds the Asian mob it's it's a fascinating dynamic really actually is a very fascinating dynamic that you see um with them taking advantage of the vices of Americans But also, concurrent to that, yes, the Chinese, too, do use these areas for surveillance. And as you heard the governor of of Montana mention, yeah, TikTok is a big surveillance app for the Chinese. I know a lot of people who use TikTok. They're not going to give it up. They're being spied on. They're like, well, I don't have anything to get in trouble with. And you're probably right. You, You don't. 
but they can build a facial profile of you by using it. They can build a big database on your likes, the things you look at in private when no one's around, blackmail for future, things like that. You know, oh, don't think the Chinese aren't doing stuff like that. And then detecting audio and microphones. Those of you who work in a government building and have TikTok, they're using your microphone to spy, using your camera to spy. You don't even realize it. It's it's a dangerous app that you should delete. The governor of Montana's right on that. The Chinese are genuinely out to do us ill, and we should not be using TikTok or letting them buy up land to grow marijuana or plant spying devices.